This is Bill Woods up here in Sun Valley, Arizona, and I just thought I would like to bring something to you today that I think is very important for Christians to understand. The question I want to ask is, is there a dead dog hanging in your life? I want to remind you that without question, the biggest problem a Christian has to face is temptation. If you can eliminate temptation, you can eliminate sin. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but will with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. James chapter 1, verses 14 through 16, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. 1 Peter 5, 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. A pastor told his congregation, I learned a great lesson from a dog the other day. He said the dog's master used to put a piece of meat a biscuit or some kind of food on the ground and say to the dog, don't eat that. The dog would run over and eat it, and he'd spank the dog. He'd put another piece of meat on the ground and say, don't eat that. The dog would go over and eat it, and he'd hit him again. After a while, the dog got the message, eat meat, get spanked. So the dog decided he wouldn't eat the meat. The dog finally got to where he didn't look at the meat. He felt if he looked at the meat, the temptation to disobey would be too great. So he constantly looked at his master's face and never took his eyes off him. Then the temptation didn't cause a problem. You know, temptation works like that. As long as we stare at it, looking at the baubles or the bangles Satan dangles in front of us, and we entertain ourselves on the fact that we could do that certain thing and feed on it, we're susceptible. Temptation is a common problem for all of us. Often victory over temptation isn't so common. Again, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You know, we have the same problem the dog had. If we entertain the temptation rather than keeping our eyes on Christ, we're going to fall. The strength of the temptation is in how long you play with it and think about it. The longer you toy with temptation, the stronger it becomes and the harder it is to resist. If you dismiss it immediately, you'll not have a problem. Well, how do you do that? Well, there are hundreds of radio towers all around the country sending out different frequencies with different programming. And if you don't like the program on one station, you change to another station. Well, when Satan bombards you with temptation, you can change that station too. You don't have to listen to him. Mark Twain said you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you don't have to let them nest in your hair. And so the way that I handle temptation is by praising Jesus, quoting scripture, telling Satan how God's forgiven me of my sins, how God is planning a place for me in heaven, plead the blood, sing the hymn, uh, I tell Jesus I need help, 
most of all remembering that I'm not having a private moment. There's a crowd of witnesses watching over everything we do. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We've gotten used to surveillance cameras watching us everywhere we go, but that's nothing to what Hebrews tells us. He says, there's a great host of witnesses watching how you're going to respond. Knowing this has always helped me resist temptation. Remember, when Satan offers you a temptation, he wants to destroy you. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. It's kind of like when you go fishing and you put a bait on the hook. You're going to put a worm or a fish egg or something that would entice the fish over to, to eat it. Once he takes hold of that bait, the hook gets him and, and he's in trouble. He knows that. It's all over. Whatever Satan offers you might gratify you for a moment. When it's over, you're not satisfied. You'll deal with guilt. You'll feel miserable. You'll know that you're out of step with God that you've let God down. You know, any deal that Satan offers you is a bad deal. I know many people think that God is too restrictive, that they don't want to be tied down to a bunch of rules. They want more freedom to indulge in what the world offers. A German shepherd lived with his master who loved him very much. Every day when the master went to work, the German shepherd would be on a long chain in the garden long enough to cover all the grounds and still be able to go inside through the dog door if need be. One day, when the German shepherd was keeping watch over his master's property, a bulldog came bouncing up to him, laughing and taunting. The bulldog said, Hey, look at you, all chained up, not free. I'm free, I can do what I want. If I'm hungry, I go to the garbage cans and find food. I can chase all the lady dogs. You can't be happy chained up like that. Well, actually, said the German shepherd, you have a point. I do wonder what it'd be like to have more freedom and go beyond the boundaries set by my master. But my master's good. He takes care of me and loves me. I'm secure in his care. Well, the bulldog came every day with the same old tactics, just about like Satan does to us. Finally, the German shepherd started listening to the bulldog and said, Okay, if I want to be free, how is it possible? I'm chained up. Ah, said the bulldog, you've got to be smart like me. When your master is away, you go into the living room, right to the center of the rug, and do a big job. But my master will beat me, gasped the German shepherd. He'll beat you a few times, then he'll let you loose, said the bulldog. The German shepherd couldn't sleep that night. He tossed and turned deciding whether to listen to the bulldog or not. The next morning, his master hugged him and left him with the usual loving words, Be a good dog. Look after my house. But the German shepherd was under the spell of the bulldog. He went to the center of the room and did big business there. The next day, the bulldog saw the German shepherd still chained, sitting silently in the garden. His nose was bright red. What happened? asked the bulldog. You did it, didn't you? What happened? 
My master was so angry he took me to the living room and rubbed my nose painfully in the mess, replied the German shepherd. Ah, oh, that's just the first step. You do it a few more times and you'll be free, said the bulldog, running circles around him. No, said the German shepherd. This experience taught me one thing. What is that, asked the bulldog. Now I know why your face is like it is. You know, Satan tries to tempt us away from the safe boundaries God has set for us with the Ten Commandments, with his word, and with his will for us. He tempts us to make a mess instead of being watchful and caring for our master's house. And I remind you, the master's house is our body. Know you not that you're, you're the temple of the uh, Holy Spirit. The devil will come time after time to tempt us and tell us we're not really free. However, true freedom only comes in, in being a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. We should recognize Satan's tactics and resist him and he will flee. Martin Luther did. One night he woke up and the devil was at the end of his bed. Martin Luther said, oh, it's only you. And he went back to sleep. You know, Satan knows what bait you'll go for and he tries to entice you with that. When I was pastoring in Cheyenne, Wyoming and Grace Church, the Nazarene, I, I, we had a young gal that kept showing up for church. She came one Sunday and was there for six or seven weeks. And uh, I would shake hands with the people going out of the, the door like pastors do. And she would be there and she'd be all smiles and act kind of flirty and everything. And, and I, I just didn't think much about it. But I found out later she was a member of a coven and was assigned to make me fall morally while I was pastoring in Cheyenne. She later accepted Christ as her Savior, became a Christian, and she told me about that assignment and told me that uh, she finally just gave up realizing that I wasn't going to, to be unfaithful to my wife, that I was going to continue being what God wanted me to be. And I thank God for that. Another gal by the name of Annette uh, was attending one of my spiritual uh, uh, seminars, spiritual warfare, and she came. She had big brown eyes and long black hair, something that I've always, uh, you know, admired. And she told me on, after one of the services she wanted to have a personal counseling session with me. She said she wanted to sit at my feet and learn about spiritual warfare because her boyfriend, who was her fiancé, was going to go into spiritual warfare. And I said, you know, it won't do any good to learn from me. I said, he needs to if he's going to, but you can learn from my wife how to be supportive to him. Sorry, Satan, I see a trap. Listen, temptation is not sin. I have Christians sometimes ask me, well, should Christians be tempted? Well, every Christian is tempted. If the devil's leaving you alone, check your relationship with Jesus Christ because evidently Satan's not too worried about you. Satan works harder on Christians than on the patrons at the neighborhood bar or brothel because he already owns those people. James 1, 14 through 16, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Temptation is when the devil says, will you? Sin comes 
when we answer back, I will. Flip Wilson drew laughs by saying the devil made me do it. Satan can't make you do anything. James 4, 7, 8 says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You see, you choose to live for Jesus and do his will, or you choose to disobey Jesus and fall prey to Satan. I've had people say to me, Pastor, I try, but the battle's too hard. I find myself constantly giving in to temptation, and I'm constantly defeating, defeated. The Christian life isn't working for me. Well, their problem, possibly your problem, is you've never totally committed your life to Jesus Christ. You need to be sanctified. When you're saved from your sins, you confess the sins you've committed in the past, and Jesus Christ forgives you and removes those sins from as far as the east is from the west. The Bible says you're freed from the guilt of past committed sins, and you become your own person. Up till now, you've been a slave to Satan. Now you're free. Uh, but you still have that carnal nature of rebellion, wanting your own way instead of doing things God's way. John Wesley used to say that within the first week or seven days, you'll find out that there's something else that needs to be done. So to be sanctified means you dedicate your life and all it entails to God's will, and you let the Holy Spirit have control, cleanse you of that bent towards sinning and rebellion, that is inbred sin, that it comes from being part of the human race. And the sanctified life is cleansed by God and set apart for God's holy use. I, I, Paul the Apostle told us all about this in Romans 7, 21 through 8, 10. He says, I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you who are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit of life 
because of righteousness. Romans 7.24 again says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? <laughs> Paul's referring to the practice Rome had of chaining prisoners together. If one of the prisoners died, he remained chained to the living one who had to drag that dead body every place he went until that rotting carcass poisoned and killed him too. Paul's saying the sin you refuse to let go of is a horrible burden like a rotting corpse, which will eventually bring your death too. The reason you're struggling with your tithe, witnessing, prayer, devotions, turning your life over to Christ 100% is because you're still fighting for what you think are your rights and which constitutes the body of death. This attitude will take you right to hell. You've no rights to fight for when you belong to Jesus Christ. You surrender all those rights to him. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price? Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. If you're fighting for your rights and refusing to give God your obedience, that body of death is decaying in your spirit and will eventually destroy you. Sanctification is an experience you maintain by daily commitment to Jesus Christ. You pray, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. You still have the power of choice, and Satan will continue to challenge and tempt you. But if you're committed to Christ, he will guide you and, lead and protect you, and will remain. you will remain victorious. A man wanted to buy a house in Haiti for $2,000. The property owner wasn't sure he wanted to let the house go permanently, but he was willing to negotiate a sale on the condition he could buy the house back if he ever wanted to. One stipulation for the sale was he could put a nail above the front door and would continue to own the nail. The buyer thought, what could the little nail hurt if I own the rest of the house? The buyer agreed to the condition of the sale and paid the $2,000 asking price. Two years later, the original owner wanted his house back. By then, the new owner wanted to renege on the agreement. The previous owner said he owned the nail and could do what he wanted with it. He found a dead dog and hung it on the nail. The new owner protested, but was reminded the, contrast, uh, the contract read that the nail belonged to the previous owner. He could use it any way he wanted to. The dog carcass continued to hang, rotting, decaying, smelling horrible. Finally, the new owner could take it no longer and moving his family out and sold the house back to the original owner. You know, when you hold something from God and you refuse to give it to the Lord, you've a nail Satan will use to hang his poison on and defeat you. Again, Romans 7:24. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Is there something dead hanging in your life today? Are you being defeated by that body of death? God can clean it out for you and restore your relationship with him and give you victory. I'd like to tell you today, if you have spiritual needs, if you have something in your life that you've not surrendered to God yet, 
you're not living the joy that uh, you could be living if you have a right relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you've got something between you and God, you're jeopardizing the fact that one day you can only be with heaven to be in heaven with him. I would like to encourage you to repent of your sins. Let Jesus Christ have full control of your life and begin a life of joy because Jesus Christ has removed all the, the guilt and sin from you. I want to pray with you. Dear Jesus, I pray that you help those today that are listening to this to understand that they can have victory in Christ Jesus by simply giving their lives and hearts to you. And Lord, I pray that if anybody has not accepted you as their Savior that yet, they'll realize that this is the day they ought to do it. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Help them, Lord, to repent of their sins, telling God how sorry they are that they've sinned and asking him to forgive them and come into their life. I pray, Jesus, that they'll do this and that they'll begin to confess that Jesus Christ is their Lord. Father, take the needs of today, these people that are praying with us. Lord, I just pray that you'll meet them at their point of need and they'll be able to be victorious because of your love. We ask this in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You know, if you'd like to get in touch with me, my email address is R-E-V-W-M-W-W-O-O-D-S at gmail.com. That, that stands, stands for Reverend William W. Woods. It's all lowercase. If you want to write to me, my address is Bill Woods, Box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029. Thank you, and God bless you. I'm praying that God will use you for his purpose and that you'll understand his love even better.